Tonight I want to read from Ephesians chapter number 2. If you have a Bible, please turn there with me. Otherwise, the verses will be on the screen behind me. Will you please stand for the reading of God's inspired, inerrant, infallible, authoritative, and sufficient word this evening. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Lord, I pray that you will anoint this word. It is anointed. Just the reading of it creates faith in our hearts. But Lord, my words are nothing. (laughs) They are but the little fish (laughs) that you multiplied to feed the thousands. And so Lord, once again, I come before you as needy as ever. And ask you to yet again multiply these words. Minister grace to our hearts. Change us. Transform us on this Good Friday in New Jersey in 2021. This very night. We ask this in Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen. You may be seated. In in the beginning... Of all things, when God created the universe and everything in it in six 24-hour days, and He rested on the seventh, during that week, He built into the fabric of our being a sense of time. We measure everything by it. We measure all of our lives by time, birth, death, and everything in between. Our calendar itself is a measure of time. Our years are marked by birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, memories of experiences that have changed our lives. And friends, time tells the story of our lives like a book. It reads us like a book. Our years read us. And every single one of us gathered here tonight has a story, a narrative shaped by the unique experiences of our lives here in space and time. But friends, all of our stories 
no matter what they are now or what they will become, all of our stories begin the same way. And the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, describes them for us in Ephesians chapter 2. In the verses that we read, you, me, all of us, (laughs) were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. Notice all the different verbs. Notice all the different words that Paul uses here that indicate time. Were dead in the sins and trespasses in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were, were, thank God for past tense words. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. This, dear friends, is the essence of the human story. Here in Ephesians 2, 1 to 5, we are sinners. We're dead. We're born dead in sin. We're following the course of this fallen, sin-saturated world, living under the influence of Satan, that ancient serpent who deceived our first perfect and pristine and sinless parents in Eden to rebel against their Creator and so plunge our world our one human race, into sin and death. And friends, to be quite honest, this is the hardest part of the human story to get anyone to believe anymore. Though it should be the most obvious. Most of us refuse to accept our own sinfulness. Now we usually have no problem accepting and identifying the sinfulness of others, but not our own. Most people today say that mankind is, is basically good. Sure, there are the occasional really, really bad people like Hitler, Mussolini, Bin Laden, the serial killer, the rapist, but most people are basically good, we say, we think, the world thinks. But friends, look around, watch the news, not just today, but all throughout history. Pick up a history book and read it. Look at the big picture, the story of our world, the story of our existence, is one marked by shocking hatred violence, and endless depravity. So yes, friends, the frank assessment of the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians 2 is right. We are dead in our sin. And it doesn't matter that maybe for us here tonight, I I don't know every single one of you. We have 
visitors. It doesn't matter that maybe for many, if not most of us tonight, we've never murdered someone. We've never raped someone or abused someone. It doesn't matter that the background check of our lives is squeakly, squeaky clean. It doesn't matter. Friends, God sees beneath the surface into the deepest recesses of our sinful hearts where behind our self-righteous facade. The things that we tell ourselves about ourselves that help us sleep at night. He sees beyond it. Because there exists in us a fallen and depraved nature that is capable of anything. Friends, a thousand Hitlers. (laughs) The evil, the capacity for the evil of a thousand Hitlers lives within the unregenerated, unredeemed heart. Every single one of them here tonight. Of all of our hearts. Let's not pretend like it doesn't. We are desperately wicked people. Verse 3 says that we live carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. In other words, we, we just live however we want to with no concern for God. No concern for His righteous law. No concern for His claim over our lives as our Creator. And thus we are by nature children of wrath. As the Apostle says here in this text. The just wrath of God hangs over our heads as if it were a razor sharp guillotine, friends. This is no joke tonight. This is not something we can just dismiss in some sacrilegious tweet like the kind of foolishness that we read all the time on the internet. The human race is in trouble. Romans 6.23 says that the penalty, the wages of sin is death. So God cannot just sweep our sin He cannot just sweep our sin under the cosmic rug and act like everything is okay. As a parent, sometimes I do that with my children. They do something that deserves punishment. I just ignore it. I saw my little one just go running down the aisle here earlier. I don't know what she was doing. We can dismiss our own sin. We can dismiss the the sin of our children. We can dismiss the sin of others, but God cannot dismiss our sin. Our sin stands between us and our Creator. It must be dealt with either by us in the condemnation of eternal death or by a substitute who bears our condemnation in our place. Under the Old Covenant, the first 39 books of the Bible, under the Old Covenant, this substitute was 
the continual offering of a of a lamb who would be slaughtered blood would be shed for the sin of the sinner in place of the sinner the bible word for this is atonement it is the reconciling of the sinner with his creator in atonement god deals with our sin by placing it on another and because the penalty of sin is death then the atonement is made through the death of another a substitute and in the entire old testament sacrificial system that seems so strange and foreign to us today in the 21st century that entire system was built on the idea on the necessity of substitutionary atonement. But the lambs and the sacrifices of the Old Testament were never enough to fully and once for all finally atone for human sin. The infinite righteousness of an infinitely holy God could only be satisfied by an infinitely perfect substitute. And that wasn't a lamb. So how can sinful man provide then a perfect sacrifice for his sin? How can we do that? How can we atone for our sin? We can't. We can't. If our sins are to be dealt with, it will have to be God who deals with them. Because only God can satisfy God's righteousness. All of our very best all of our goodness, all of our kindness to the old lady crossing the street, all of our donations to the pro-life pregnancy center, all of our conservatism, all of our marches on Washington for just basic morality, freedom, and justice, all of our church attendance, friends, none of that will ever be enough to deal with our sin. We need a substitute, or friends, our story will end in, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1.9, in the punishment of eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His might. But we call this day Good Friday for a reason, don't we? And here, on this day, the human story begins to change. Ephesians 2 verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even, Paul says, when we were dead, in our trespasses, made us alive. Together with Christ. Friends, the two most redemptive words in human language are but God. He would have been just to leave us in our rebellion, spiritually dead, bound for eternal death under His hot wrath, but (laughs) 
He provided for himself a lamb, a sacrifice, an eternal lamb who was spotless in his righteousness and without blemish. Friends, he provided for himself his own son. First John 1, John 1, 29 says, Behold, this is John the Baptist looking at Jesus Christ, approaching Him, walking toward Him. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Friends, do you see that when you look at Christ? A sin bearer. We were bound by the chains of our sin. Literally, friends, we were the walking dead. If you do not know Jesus Christ tonight as your Savior, you are dead in this room. Without life, without hope of redemption, on a collision course with the justice of a holy God, but God, (laughs) because He delights in showing mercy, because He delights to show His great love toward us, He has interrupted our story of sin. He has interrupted our life of depravity and death. And friends, He has written a new chapter in which the Holy Lamb of God would be slaughtered on Calvary's cross in the place of sinners. And so now the Apostle says in verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, God has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Through the sacrificial, substitutionary, atoning work of the Lord Jesus, the eternal Son of God, God has now raised us up out of our deadness out of the caskets in which we live every single day of our lives. And now as Christ lives, so do we. This is not something that we can do for ourselves. It is all of grace. Read the rest of the chapter. The undeserved goodness, the kindness, the favor of God is His grace toward His enemies. That's you and me. By nature, we are as enemies bound for eternal hell. People don't like to think about that anymore. But friends, we cannot approach Good Friday and not feel the terror of God's judgment in eternal damnation. Or else it's pointless. We are by nature, we were by nature, Every human being born in the future will be, by nature, enemies of God bound for hell but God. Oh, friends, those two words are grace. Friends, Good Friday is the day but God was stamped on the pages of the human story. This is where it all changes, right here on this day. But let me ask you, dear friend, 
has but God been stamped on the pages of your story? Is there a page in your life that reads, Put God. I was bound for hell in my wickedness, but God. I was bound for hell in my self-righteousness, but God. Is there a moment when by sovereign grace He awakened you out of your spiritual deadness and made you alive together with Christ? The Apostle Paul writes about that but God moment in his life when he's writing to his young protege Timothy. 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, he says this, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service, though formerly... Well, there's those time words again. Formerly, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But, Paul says to Timothy, I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in what? Unbelief. Are you acting in unbelief tonight, friends? Paul goes on, And the grace of our Lord overflowed from me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving and full of, of, of acceptance. In other words, you say this, Timothy, over and over to your people. Preach to this to them every day. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom Paul said, I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. Oh, what a but God page Paul had in his life. I wonder about each of us here tonight, friends. Has but God been written on the pages of your life? Or are you still living according to the course of this world? A slave to your sin. Carrying out, as Paul said, the desires of the body and the mind. Friends, if you are hearing my voice tonight, God has not closed your story yet. Make no mistake. He's sovereign over it. He decides when it ends. He has decided when it will end. But if you're hearing me tonight, He has not closed it. There is still time to find that chapter (laughs) that begins with those two words. But God. But oh friends, you must trust in Christ. If you're watching or listening, you must trust in Christ. You must turn away from your sin and from your 
here's the, here's the real danger. We must turn away from our self-righteousness and flee to Calvary's cross where the holy blood of the Lamb of God, friends, still flows freely for all who will believe. Friends, believe on Christ tonight. Don't let another Good Friday, don't let another Easter, don't let another moment pass until but God has written on the story of your life. He is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. There is a book of life that belongs to the Lamb. And if your name is not in it, friend, you will perish for eternity. Let's pray.